The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. This is John Silver, lead recruiter of The Dark Order, and you are listening to All Things Elite. to the 98th episode of Social Suplex's podcast about AEW with a proclivity for positivity. Welcome to All Things Elite. My name is Austin Sumwitz. I am the host of this lovely show. Joining with me, as always, is my good friend, my good pal, Floyd Johnson Jr. My man, how you doing? I am doing well. Uh, we are recording on Saturday, March 13th, and I am watching, while talking, I am watching Impact's sacrifice don't want to get canceled but i've always been a fan of the wrestling i don't whatever happens in his personal life that's his business of moose i've i've been i met him in oklahoma city for uh oklahomania and it's someone i've always rooted for uh so i've thought over the years he should be impact champion like 20 times over and tonight, I feel like it is his, his coronation. All right. Shout out to Moose. I know we will probably, by the time we finish up the show, we'll probably have that news for you guys, which, I mean, it, it'll be a day old. But whatever. We'll be finding out as as the show goes on. <laughs> yes, that is kind of cool. And, I mean, it, it'll actually, when we get to the... A recap of BTE and the, what had to do with Impact. I got some more news that directly affects the winner of this match. All right. Well, we got a lot to talk about on this episode of All Things Elite. Obviously, it is the Dynamite After Revolution. If you guys uh, didn't get the chance, we released a special episode earlier in the week covering AEW Revolution, the entire show. Um, so if you guys have time, you should absolutely go and check out that episode. It's on our Spotify, it's on our iTunes, and uh, everything that you get podcasts on. It's, you can also get it uh, instantly if you look for us on Twitter. Um, but this week is going to be focusing on the fallout from Revolution and exactly how Dynamite and AEW themselves responded after a lot of people had a sour taste in their mouth from the finish of the show. So there's a lot to talk about. We've also got, of course, AEW Dark Elevation that debuts on Monday. And my God, they announced a lot of matches, but we're only going to be focusing on like maybe one or two because it's just too much. But before we get into the nitty gritty of the show, I want to make sure that you first, if you can, 
Please download this fine show on Google or Apple Podcasts. If you listen to us on Spotify or any other platforms where you listen to podcasts, you can share us around with your friends, family, relatives. Doesn't matter. Give us a share. It really means the world. Leave a rating and a review. Let us know how we're doing. If you're so inclined to, you can also leave a donation through our podcast provider, Red Circle. That would be incredibly generous of you. Please, you can also... Support us easily on Twitter by following us on social media. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the company that we work under, and that is the huge podcasting network that we do this show under. They have a ton of other great wrestling shows and other types of podcasts that you guys can listen to. I am at SCMR4 on Twitter, and Floyd is at Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. Obviously, the big news of the week is the fallout from Revolution. I feel like we can also talk about a few other smaller news and uh, updates that we got uh, in the week that have some ties to AEW. Now, I know Floyd wrote this down, and I was glad that he actually did because I felt like it was... I mean, like, we always say this with any wrestler that gets released from WWE. It's like, oh, they're going to go to AEW, and more so we say that as a joke. But this one has been gotten some rumors and a little bit of legs underneath it so as we all know andrade cian almas or just andrade asked for his release and floyd um says that he thinks he has a good idea of exactly what is going to be the fallout from this report yeah um andrade asked for his release shockingly no shock to anybody a few months ago thea trinidad aka zelina vega who I mean, they were part of the hottest acts in pro wrestling at one time, especially in their time in NXT. They were the hottest act in pro wrestling. Uh, she, um, There's reports around the internet and unsubstantiated reports. Haven't heard it from Big Dave yet, but I've heard that Zelina Vega has signed a contract with AEW. So with Andrade not shockingly asking for his release this week, I think they that act could meet up in AEW. I'm not saying AEW should sign them. It just seems like that act, they seem to work really, really well together. So that act would want to stay together. And, you know, who has the biggest spotlight in America other than WWE? That is very true. Now, I know, um, like I said, we, we are very much making this certain that, like, it's mainly rumors. There's nothing crazy substantial. And if ever, and if people take Dave Meltzer's word as like the gospel for you guys, um, he has not reported on it either. So I will say I would be a hundred percent for these two showing up in AEW. Um, I felt like Zelina Vega had so much charisma just on her own, but her and Andrade together just worked so well. I got to see Andrade. Um, I can't, I believe he wrestled. I, it was in. I don't remember his match in a Takeover Brooklyn Three. I don't th- fully remember. And my mind's foggy. A takeover shows. Brooklyn Three was. Oh, Takeover Brooklyn Three. That wasn't Drew, was it? Is that one? Uh, Drew, non-disputed. No, he, Drew faced. Um, that was when Drew faced Bob. Uh, Bobby. Uh, Bobby uh, or Bobby Roode. Uh, yeah. Okay. So maybe it was. Uh, I don't know. No, 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 no. That's right. He faced Johnny Gar- Gargano. That's right. Yeah, okay. that was just. He just had a singles match with Johnny Gargano. That's right. I, I, that was what was on my mind at first, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure if that was the case. Yeah. Um, yeah, I do want to throw out there. There are other reports about Andrade that his release has been denied. 
So I would not. I mean, like, I would not doubt that. I mean, the guy. I like. Let's. We've known how a, uh, WWE likes to uh, work under this massive roster that they have, which is more so just. I mean, like I said, we've talked about it before. Is like a lot of times they'll just pay the wrestlers to just stay at home and be under contract so that they don't go to anywhere else, whether it's AEW or New Japan or Ring of Honor or any other wrestling promotion. A lot of times they'll just like, no, 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 just you can't leave. We'll pay you to stay home. You don't have to come to TV. You just don't go anywhere else. So I would not be surprised if they've denied that request. Yeah, that I mean, I mean multiple wrestlers have had to go through the ringer just trying to get released. Honestly, I'm just gonna say this business wise. Of course I want him to come to AEW or whatever, but business wise I don't I don't blame them at all. It's just it's just every time someone leaves your company and then goes and excels somewhere else. It does make you, I know the WWE doesn't worry about this billion dollar company, but it does kind of make you look a little incompetent every time they exceed, say, excel somewhere else. And I'm like, AEW hasn't been around long enough for this to happen with them. So I'm not saying they're, I'm not saying they're exempt from this. I'm probably, they're probably going to miss on someone eventually, you know, but in WWE, it's like, when they miss, you know, they can miss big and, you know, and, and because they have such a magnifying glass on everything they do, you know, people will be like, oh, why didn't you, you know, why is then Andrade guy not there? But to me, I, we were just talking about before we got off the phone, uh, got on the phone, you got 11 hours of programming that you record for a week in the WWE. If you cannot find a match for Andrade in 11 hours of television, you're doing something wrong. It's not. It's not him. It's you. <laughs> and, and again, it's like business-wise, it makes sense what they're doing. We've never once said that. That's. It's not. It's like why are they doing this? We know why they're doing this, and it makes business sense. The only issue is that the thing that makes the most business sense is actually utilizing all of the talent that you could possibly utilize on your roster. But we're not taking jabs at WWE. We don't want the show to become that. But. That was a little bit of a news and report that we had uh, before we get into uh, the rest of the show. Now yeah, got, it was uh, it was so what? funny on uh, March seventh, like it was six days ago. And Andrade posted a picture of him in uh, Charlotte in where Jacksonville, Florida. Ah, oh boy. Yeah, it was actually yeah, it was like at Jacksonville, Florida, and it's just like. I know, I know, I know, a and I know TK. I, I I assume I consider him a man of his word when he says that he doesn't talk to people that are under contract or in their ninety days. So I'm gonna believe that. But guess what? Just like with college football and NFL football and all of these. A friend of a friend can always talk. Like, let's just say you become available. And let's just say there's this number on the table. Does that sound like something you would be interested in? (laughs) It doesn't have to be somebody directly tied to TK or directly tied to Andrade. It's just, you know, rumor mills, you know. Hey, there's a number on a napkin, you know. If If you like the number... You know, just put the napkin in your pocket. If you don't like the number, hand the napkin back to me, and maybe the number goes up. <laughs> All right. 
I'm and, just saying. I'm just saying. Believe me, there's a lot of shady dealings. I've learned that with uh, Kevin oh. Durant. I learned that with Kevin Durant and, and now uh, Kawhi Leonard with his uh, brother now suing the Clippers because he promised, oh, or his uncle suing the Clippers because he promised him them that they he would deliver Kawhi Leonard. He then delivered Kawhi Leonard and then didn't get his motherfucking check. So he was not happy about it. So I'm just saying, stuff like this definitely happens. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, like especially with um, like if teams leave, uh, like like the Rams are literally getting sued by the whole city of St. Louis for the how they left. So I mean, there's there is a ton of shady shit in sports in general. But I digress. Now we can get real quickly before we get into dynamite the BTE recap. So Floyd, let us know what. Uh, were the highlights of this week's episode of Being the Elite. Uh, so apparently Gallows, uh, uh, you know Brandon Cutler likes to fall asleep in everywhere, right? Oh, yeah. It's so, wonderful. So Gallows flipped him a gas station uh, ED pill, and Brandon Cutler, he uh, get apparently a large amount, because Brandon Cutler a week later still has an erection that won't go down. Apparently, he does not know if you have an erection that lasts longer than four hours. You should seek immediate medical <laughs> medical uh, medical attention. That's the word I'm looking for. Yes. So, uh, so yeah, uh, he did not know that. So they told him. They were mad at him, and they said you need to rub one out manually. And they took him into the bathroom to help him do it. Which was really, really weird. Like this, I have to say, I have seen a lot of weird segments in a uh, on uh, BTE. This, I've even seen a man come back to life by his penis becoming erect. Uh, this is the weirdest segment in uh, BTE history. <laughs> Yeah, I I would say that's probably. Yeah, I was like, I'm like, I know it's like labeled for adults, but you know, not only adults watch this. Oh, whatever. Like, uh, then we move on. Uh, the young bucks uh, talk to Gallows and Anderson about uh, Gallows and Anderson about why they brought out the tables and had them jump through, and he's like, "Man, you're spot monkeys. This is what you do." You know, you get the crowd in and people love you and all that kind of stuff. And it was just a very much a two people saying, two groups of people saying completely different things. Uh, then uh, there was the Nyla Rose, Vicky Guerrero rising uh, section. And I will say, I absolutely don't understand what this is. I think we've said that multiple weeks of just what this whole, seg- like, this whole segment. Is it supposed to be funny? Because most of the time, I'm just sitting there watching it, waiting for it to be over. And, and it's nothing against, I think Nyla is the best follow on Twitter. She's hilarious. Love me some Vicky. Don't really have a negative thing to say about Ryzen. I don't, you know, feel strongly about him either way. But this segment just was like so flat to me. And I'm not trying to break down BTE. No, I'm not. But I'm just saying, as a person that generally enjoys BTE and takes it with a grain of salt, it sticks out as in being not funny. Uh, I 
can't really argue with that. <laughs> it just sticks out. That's what I mean. I don't really like harp on segments of VTE at all. It's just it is what it is. But it's so unfunny that it sticks out. Yeah, no. Well, uh, we will move on to um, the Dark uh, Order, and it turns out they all found uh, each of three of them found Hangman's wallet. One bought uh, a lots of barrel of whiskey because they knew Hangman was going to get all the money from Matt Hardy. Then one bought a whole bunch of condoms, uh, and he was okay with that. And then the last one, Ten, bought a bunch of cocaine because he said, we're going to be skiing. Well, um, uh, Hangman then informs them, Hey, I just bought a lawnmower and then I gave all the rest away. So you just put me in a lot of debt. And they just kind of said, damn it, five. And they, you know, blamed it on Alan Angels. <laughs> That's always five's fault. It's always five's fault. Then we got just highlights from Rev- uh, from the show last week with Shaq. A few highlights from Revolution. And yeah, I think, am I missing anything? I think that was... Pretty. I believe that was mostly it. That was I mostly think it. it being a paper, I think it with it being a BT after a pay per view. Most of the show was like showcasing like other footage and highlights from the um, from the pay per view itself. Yeah, they didn't. Um, they didn't really address the bomb situation, which no, and I thought they would. I really thought they were going to like start making fun of it then. Now I can say this as a follow up to last week with the bomb situation. Kenny did uh, speak to Wrestling Observer, and uh, he basically said they they designed it, they practiced it, everything without went without a uh, everything went without on with, without a hitch, and then something. I mean, he didn't say specifically what it was, but something went wrong and it didn't go off. That's something. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it worked in rehearsals. It didn't work when the show was live. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I imagine when resetting it, there's probably a connection or something missing. Something very small. As I have mentioned before, I work in the IT field. Now, I will tell you, my whole job is finding points of failure. But let me tell you, the weirdest shit ends up becoming a point of failure. You'd be like, well, that doesn't have anything to do with that. But, like, there'll be a service that went off on Windows. And it was like, well, what does that Windows service have to do with this software? And you won't know, but you start the service and the software works. So imagine with that elaborate setup, there's probably was probably a hundred points of failure. And they had to sit there after the show, after everybody left, and try to figure out what the hell went wrong so the next time they do it, it will happen. See, I love the idea that they didn't really tell us what was supposed to happen because in a year, maybe two, they can do it. And, you know, it won't be like, well, this is what they were going to do last time. You don't know. It'd just be kind of cool. Yeah. It keeps, it keeps it so that way if they try for something similar, then like you don't have to, it's, you can't expect of what was supposed to happen. So, absolutely i completely agree but yeah so that was bte with the highlights that we have um we can now get into AEW dynamite for this week we opened up for the first time ever 
Matt Jackson facing off against Death Triangle's Ray Phoenix in singles competition, building up to the fact that Death Triangle won the Casino Battle Royale, well, not Casino Battle Royale, the Tag Team Battle Royale um, at AEW Revolution, and they will be facing the Young Bucks for the AEW World Tag Team Championships. Um, and this was a very, like, I mean, we knew it was going to be a strong opener when they when this was revealed to be the opening match. These guys just work really well. Phoenix, again, we've sung his praises up and down this show repeatedly, and I especially just loved when... Um, it was quite amazing when, because they just were just trading kicks and counters, and then eventually just Phoenix hit a pile driver on a uh, mat, and that was the pinning uh, move, which I thought was actually quite intriguing that they just used a straight up pile driver to get the finish. Um, it gets Death Triangle a big win against um, one of the tag team champions, helps build toward the championship match. They are really doing their best to make sure Death Triangle looks formidable, because again, they've been gone for a while. I love the fact that death triangle is getting pushed i want to see them be like very like let on as like oh these guys could definitely beat the young bucks because i mean if we're talking two of the best wrestlers Pac and phoenix are definitely up there and just having them together against the young bucks like the match is going to be great by itself but the having them together just makes them that much more dangerous um though i will say um because we haven't seen uh pentagon be uh, involved with Death Triangle. Being called Death Triangle and only seeing mainly two of them is still kind of odd to me, just because we're missing we're missing the third point. I want to see all three, but I digress. Um, but yeah, no, really strong opener. Yeah, definitely really strong opener. I don't put it on the same level as... I don't put it on the same level as uh, the Nick, and, Pent- uh, Nick no. and Phoenix one. I thought it was good, not... Great. I thought the Knicks and Phoenix one was great. But they just went out there and did spots, and it was freaking amazing. This one was really, really good. And, you know, Matt is very open about that Nick is the better wrestler. Not saying he is, because, honestly, I can I, I just think of them as the Bucks. You know, I don't think of them one as being better than the other. Yeah. But, yeah, this match was like, okay. It was a really it, – it stuck with the lineage of great first match openers in uh, AEW. And then immediately after this match, we finally got our first, like, actual in AEW, like, besides, like, Tony Khan saying it in the presser and John Moxley saying it after Revolution went off the air, we actually got people talking about the botched uh, explosion. So we, came, we cut to Eddie Kingston and John Moxley sitting in front of a small fire pit, and Eddie Kingston talked about... Everyone wants to know what happened. Well, um, when he went out, when he saved John Moxley, and when he put his head, his body over John, he said right when the countdown was going down, he started getting flashbacks to the last time that he ever felt like this feeling like he was going to die, and he had this kind of anxiety and like like panic in his in his chest, and it was when he was in jail, and just like had all like this anxiety back, basically just last time he was in jail, and that was the reason why he passed out. So what they what they um what one of the things we were expecting was to be a possible excuse was uh that, that he had a panic uh, moment and he passed out and Kingston was like, "Look, you can believe it or not and like if you like whatever you can call me weak, you can call me whatever, but that's what happened." And I like I don't care. 
basically what you think. Um, John Moxley and them, they first of all, they talked about how like uh, the pretty sure that Impact paid for that bomb, and also Moxley was asking when it came in the mail, did it come with big bold letters that said Acme on it? Um, so they already started taking a little bit of jabs at the moment, and that wasn't the only jabs that were made at the moment uh, in the show. But the he's like, I didn't win my belt back at Revolution. John Moxley said, I just got this t-shirt, but I did get my drinking buddy back too. So, good brothers, Kenny, if you're going to flash a weapon, you better use it. Such a great line. Like, I, like, I will say, because we're going to talk about the rest of the of the references to the, the botched uh, explosion. They did so fucking good. Like, like, bouncing back from that horrible moment. They did so good. And I just, I, I mean, like, like I said... I knew they had to say something and give AEW credit. Like, like honest to God, like, and people may still give them shit for it. And I understand, but like, honestly, the best thing to do is just make a mockery of it. Just make it a joke. And that's what the AEW did. They just made fun of it. They flipped it and they just turned it into something completely different and just made it funny. And again, like we'll talk about more of that moment and how it referenced in later in the show. But like, this is already a prelude. They, did a really really good job addressing that botch yes um i thought this was perfect with what they had it was the perfect reasoning there he passed out he uh passed out from a panic attack based on the fact that the anticipation of the bomb uh john moxley then made fun of the bomb said kenny doesn't know crap or whatever then they said they compared Moxley and Kenny to the Batman and Joker. And I loved it was just such a natural flow. It was a great job doing it pre-recorded. I don't know how many times they had to go through that, but it seemed felt like a one taker, but they probably didn't. And it was just, uh, it was amazing. Like when you have two of the best talkers in wrestling, two of the best talkers in wrestling period and you give them something and you say fix this genius work from them too and then i feel like you got the same thing later on from the hillside yeah honestly it's just it's just too it just worked really well and again like i i knew in order for them to try to turn this around other than just not referencing it which people would still give them shit for it and they were going to fans are going to give them shit regardless and Rightfully so. It was an awful botch, and it was, it's like, I get it. But, like, other than that, like, they just had to make fun of it. And AEW is very good at self referential humor and just, like, poking fun at stuff. Like, again, they poked fun at that one um, moment on Dynamite where the, I can't remember the name of the guy, but, like, it was in the giant brawl, and there was the fake punches that were so obvious. They made fun of that on being the elite the next week. So, like, they, they, know when to take jabs at themselves and they know at the same time too it's like there's there's still our fans are still going to tune in no matter what but either way we can now get into what happened after this which was cody very quickly getting a quick win on seth gargas uh which was just a real quick win for him and then eventually he just got interviewed by tony shivani afterwards so the match itself was a squash nothing really to talk about that arn anderson was with Cody and they talked about how 
Cody's shoulder still injured and how he's feeling. He didn't win the Face of the Revolution ladder match. Before he was able to say anything, though, Penta El Zero Miedo comes out and starts... Uh, he's by the Spanish announce table, and he's got uh, Alex Abra- Abrahetes, I believe is how you pronounce his last name, or Abrahetes, Hentes. Um, I'm doing my best. Yeah. So he starts He starts speaking Spanish, and Penta is um, speaking to Cody and cutting his promo, and then Alex is the translator. And if Cody is the prince of pro wrestling, Penta is the lord of Lucha Libre. And they talk about how Penta says, you lost at Revolution, and it's just been, and if it had just been you and me in the ring, you would have lost more than just the match. And that's because uh, he would have hurt your arm so much, you wouldn't have been able to pick up your newborn baby. Cody heard that, sprints out of the ring, into the crowd, tries to get into a fight with Penta. They get separated. He is, like, heated. So, I can now say for Floyd, our Cody fanatic in this show, there is now a non-celebrity, non-go-big-show, an actual feud for Cody. Now I, in this whole in, in in right now in AEW, I am very, very, very excited about this feud. Uh, when you talk about charisma in wrestling and you know going big, there's not a lot of people that can match Cody. There is someone there in this case. They got someone that can match him with his whole Sierra Meadow and crowd participation thing plus being as violent and as crazy as possible. I think that the match is going to tear the house down. I was listening to Mr. Meltzer this week, and he said they had a match somewhere on the independence, and he gave it like four and a quarter. He said at the time it was his favorite. It was the best Cody match he'd seen. Of course, this was before Cody versus Dustin. So if that's what the potential is, I'm really looking forward to it. Again, I brought this up on the show that, uh, you know, I thought Pentagon was going to be one of the breakout stars at AEW. And you know who the star maker in AEW is? You need somebody to make a moment. You need to put somebody over. You need to make somebody famous. You you send them to the American Nightmare. Boom. After this was a short little promo and a short little segment with Chuck Taylor and Orange Cassidy in an arcade. And um, talking about uh, how they lost at Revolution, Chuck goes, hey, Miro, give us one more match. And hey, if we lose, I'll be your butler forever. But me and Orange had a really good idea. What if we take these arcade games at ringside and we put you through each and every one of them? And then OC comes up and says, and then we break you. And... Honestly, I'm for it, but at the same time, it's going to be a a waste of perfectly good arcade cabinets. As somebody who is doing his damnedest to save up money for an NBA Jam arcade one-up when he gets his own place, I don't want to see those cabinets get destroyed. (laughs) I just can't. Especially if it's, like, good arcade games like Galaga or Pac-Man or fucking, like, the TMNT uh, fighting game or any of the, the, uh, like, uh, like, the Simpsons one. Or if it's Michael Jackson Moonwalker, I can't handle that. I, I'd like, please, just donate donate any of the surviving cabinets to Austin Sumwitz at Austin Sumwitz's house. Yeah. Um, it's going to be fun. 
I think, you know, for the gamer generation that we're in, it is probably going to be pretty painful to watch. So that is, you know, watching these get destroyed, but I think it'll be fun. Um, I'm really interested in what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I think I think this is mainly for like I would assume this would be the return of oh, I would assume this match would lead into Trent m- making his return, and then like the best friends being able to get a win over uh, Miro and Kip Sabian, kind of just to get their heat back a little bit. Um, although I will say I'm I'm interested in this and how this is going to turn out, um, and I mean this in no disrespect because I love the best friends. I really want Miro to break out and start like really tearing through the division. Like, like he looked really menacing in Revolution. I was actually really surprised with that match at Revolution and how well Miro looked. And I want them to continue to make him look vicious. So I hope. After this match, like Miro can then go on, start building up more wins, maybe challenge for the TNT Championship, maybe start going after somebody for a title, like any, like or going for the tag titles. It's like I, at this point, I just want to see Miro really get pushed because I think, like since since Lance Archer is more of like an anti-hero and like a men, like a like a mercenary, Miro is the guy you're now going to probably go for as your killer like big guy. I mean, and that's the whole thing. I don't think they're ready for Miro yet. And that's what I keep telling people when they ask why. Uh, why? Um, when That's what they ask. Why is Miro in this feud? And I'm just like, what, I mean, look at what's going on. Where do you put him instead? They book pretty far out, right? Mm-hmm. You know, they probably book six months out. So... Yumiro became available before they were ready for Miro. But you then signed Miro because Miro is a freaking awesome professional wrestler. And you know, and you kind of put him in a mid-card, lower card feud until you're ready to push him. That's how I mean, I don't I'm not saying I know how wrestling works better than anybody in the world. I don't. But I'm just saying that's how wrestling has always worked. Someone's got to win at a point. Sometimes got to lose, you know. So if you got, you're at this point where you're not ready for Miro yet. You know he can look mm-hmm. good in another feud, and then you bring him up. Maybe he's the next feud for Cody. You know, maybe he's the next feud. Uh, maybe he's Moxley's next feud or something like that. You just have to let it play out. AEW is really good at transitioning from feuds to feuds. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah, I think I think like I said, like there's going to be the point where Miro gets a bigger push. But again, you're you're 100 right. Like when they got Miro, there was so much other stuff going on in the division and in the roster and with their current book storylines. They have to find a way to organically get Miro over without it, like just like pushing him and like destroying other storylines that they've already got planned and that are already in motion. So I get, I get everything. I do think that like Miro is in, it would benefit from a, a singles performance in a singles feud that really elevates him. But again, I think we're going to get to that point, but I, I'm still intrigued to see what the arcade cabinet match is going to be like, but moving into the next segment, we had sting being interviewed by Tony Schiavone after 
his victory at Revolution with Darby Allen, and he talks about Darby and says he's a dangerous, dangerous man. He takes risks with his body, and you combine that with the stinger, that combination with the menacing environment of the streets, that gets you a win. So Darby gets a win, and Sting gets a win. After that, the Murderhawk Monster and Jake the Snake come out, and they interrupt Sting. Lance says, if you won't give us a time, we'll take time. And um, because they're just like, hey, the Murderhawk Monster wants to, wants to kill somebody, so you, we need, we want our time to be on Dynamite, pretty much. And Tony was like, well, right now this is Sting's time. And they just kind of just head out. So the Stinger and um, Lance Archer and Jake, Jake the Snake cross paths. I will say Sting looks good in the cinematic match. If your next push is to go to Lance Archer, you're trying to kill him. <laughs> I'm sorry if that's if that's the idea. You're trying to kill Sting. And... Um, I I don't like it's it's way too early. This is one interaction um, to say anything, but like I don't know. I guess maybe they have more confidence in Sting than I thought they did. Yes. Um, no, don't do this to Sting. I was gonna say he's going to die. I, I'm just saying it's just his his physical style uh, doesn't really work well. Maybe Sting gets somebody to else to put over to go in front of Lance Archer. Uh, it's funny, Sting and Jake Roberts, if you go back to spin the wheel, make the deal, right? Halloween Havoc, early 90s. Uh, Sting and Jake Roberts had a bit of a feud at that one, so it's kind of like, if you want to come back to that, that's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what this is leading to. Uh, I mean, literally, I don't want Sting uh, fighting against someone whose catchphrase is "Everybody dies." That's yeah, no, no, that's not. I don't think it'll work out. I I don't think it'll work out too well. So no, maybe something changes. Uh, AEW has been so good with this kind of stuff that they have earned my patience. But the first look was like Lance Archer staring at Sting, and I'm like. No, don't do that. Don't do that. He'll he'll, he'll murder him. So no, I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing what's next. I as well. But after this was the dynamite debut of all ego Ethan Page taking on Lee Johnson with QT Marshall at ringside. Um, I will say, while Ethan Page had a good performance, there were massive. Massive technical difficulties during this match, specifically on the TNT side, because what happened was after Sting's promo and after we went to commercial break and came back, we soon very quickly discovered that audio from a separate TNT broadcast or Turner broadcast of an NBA game was playing at the same time as the Dynamite audio, and it was the funniest shit. It was so it it basically took up the entirety of this match. So any like people trying to pay attention to this, to this match would hear like defense, defense, and I'm just like like I said, there was a point where um uh uh ain't no mountain high enough was playing on the in the background. I was I was it was so 
fucking funny. And I just like I I watched it back with um, fixed audio, and it was good. I really do think Ethan Page um, looked really well. Um, eventually, after the match was over, and Ethan Page was beating up Lee Johnson, Dustin Rhodes came out to chase him away. QT Marshall was just standing there doing nothing, and then he just walked off, continuing to build him turning heel. But yeah, this the technical difficulties was seriously really bad. <laughs> Well, and apparently this was all on TNT. Immediately after this thing got fixed, they literally put that segment that got interrupted right on YouTube with the corrected audio. And I was like, dude, you know me, I'm always trying to turn something to an angle. I'm like, next week, all ego Ethan Page should cut a promo on how even TNT's holding him down. They screwed up the sound to mess up his singles debut. Everybody hates all ego Ethan Page. It would be perfect. And I mean, like, I think he can genuinely be like, they don't want me to succeed so bad that they fucked up the audio of my debut match. But guess what? You can't stop all ego Ethan Page. I think he can use this a hundred percent. But at the same time, like, we got to talk about this, like, AEW, like, these technical issues, while they will happen and are understandable, that should have been fixed well before the end of the match. So, either way... Yeah, I mean, I mean, it's like, it, yeah, if it was on AEW, yes, I would be like, you should have fixed that before the end of the match. Or went to a commercial and came back. But it was literally TNT broadcasting the wrong sound. Yes. And it's like, literally, especially after the mess up Sunday, you kind of needed the show to go off without a hitch. And it's like, let's just say someone got their friend to watch a pay-per-view with them Sunday. They saw the explosion and they said, what? What is this Mickey Mouse shit? They said, okay, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Okay. I know that messed up, but just turn it on dynamite. Dynamite will be perfectly fine. You know, just turn it on. It's a good show. They get to this, and then they get NBA sound. And they be like, man, this old flea market wrestling show, and they turn it. I will say, and- <laughs> despite, I will say, though, despite that little hiccup, I will say, because this was another um, news story I wanted to actually talk about as well uh, with AEW, with Revolution. Um, Dave Meltzer reported on the newsletter um, that um, this uh, was the best and highest grossing non-WWE wrestling show in the United States since 1999. The report said that the show itself generated more than $6 million in revenue. And the reason I saw this was because the Young Bucks retweeted it with them inside of a vault uh, with shitloads of money. Um, So they're... There, there's like these technical issues are a thing that need to be gotten around, but Revolution did seriously well, and I think that's still a point that should be made too. And I totally forgot to bring that up during our little uh, news of the week stuff, so I forgot to bring that up. I wanted to get that out there first. Yeah, and, and you know, and I, I want to be clear. It's like I don't know if it affected anyone. They might accept it, but I'm just saying, if these were your first two shows. 
man, <laughs> it's going to be hard to bounce back from that. But, I, you know, but uh, I'm very happy about the, uh, the buy rate uh, exploding barbed wire deathmatch. Popped a number. Uh, probably, and I imagine just AEW consistently putting on good shows helped the number uh, pop also and Dynamite being consistent. And as Dave pointed out, and I never thought about it, is it being on Sunday. People are used to buying pay-per-views on Sunday. You know? Very true. Sunday is wrestling day. Sunday is pay-per-view day. So people are like, oh, I see a pay-per-view. It's this Sunday. Buy it. Saturday nights, you know, you know, UFC, you know, people are like UFC. But generally, uh, when UFC is not on, people find other things to do. So I don't know. I know uh, the next show is on a Sunday, so well the next pay per view is on a Sunday, so uh, hopefully this trend of growth continues. Yeah. After this, we got the best example of long term storytelling booking in AEW history. After I want to say a full year, maybe more, of Hangman Adam Page talking about how. He wants a lawnmower. He wants a new lawnmower. It appeared on his lower third. He talked about it on being the elite. And he tweeted about it multiple times. He took the money from the big money match. And he got a brand new lawnmower. And, well, at the same time, too, a lot of it he donated to the Jacksonville Education Fund and some whiskey. He also bought the entire Dwight Yoakam catalog on vinyl. Nice little nod there, I guess. Um, but the big the big important thing was the fact that for the fucking longest time, we were like, when is Heyman going to get his new lawnmower? He's been talking about it all the time. He got his lawnmower. And then it, it, I mean, and it, it's the granddaddy of all lawnmowers. This oh, is not a regular uh, Yeah, it, it is not a regular lawn. He is going to be out there cutting the football field in Jacksonville if they want him to because he'll get it done in like 10 minutes. That thing is amazing. I was like, is that a – I thought it was like a go-kart. It was like it had to be explained to me that it was a lawnmower. <laughs> yes, it was a – Absolutely magnificent, glorious, wonderful mower of lawns. The Dark Order then all jumped onto it, and they all drove off to get ice cream, except for five, because fuck five. <laughs> I, that, I, it, it, there was just wasn't enough room for five. They're just well, well, whatever. But either way, this I love this segment. I thought this was so funny how they capped this off. It was just a nice little nod to fans who pay attention. I appreciate that genuinely. Um, but now. We can get into the next segment where Tony Schiavone was supposed to interview the newly signed Christian Cage, and that did not happen. AEW World Champion Kenny Omega comes out with Don Callis and the Good Brothers, and this is where we continue to get jabs at the uh, explosion botch. Um, They first talk to the fact that um, we're not hearing from Christian Cage because we call the shots around here. Um, and Don Callis was like, I'm standing next to the king of the death match, Kenny Omega. It all went according to plan. And then Omega's like, well, maybe not everything. Um, they, they talk about the explosion, not heard around the world. We're getting heat. I won't confirm or deny that we had anything to do with this, but it made us happy to take away what the fans wanted, taking away TK's chance to create big moments. We took away Eddie Kingston's star making hero moment 
if even if the ring somehow didn't blow up, we still look better because we walked out with the championship and they look like idiots. And if the ring did blow up, we finally got rid of John Moxley and we still walk out as champions. So, and uh, it was so sweet. Oh, Kenny Omega talks about how it was so great. I beat you. I embarrassed you, leaving you looking like losers while four sparklers shot from the corner posts. That was great. And then I appreciate this too because, like I said, I was like, you need to apologize to Eddie Kingston and give him some good shit. I like this moment with Eddie. He walks down to the ring. He sees everybody in the ring. He counts one, two, three. Nah, fuck it. And then just gets in the ring. I like that. That's a small little moment, but I like that, showing that, like, Eddie's a bad motherfucker, and he will put himself in situations where it's like, oh, yeah, like, I might get my ass kicked, but you're going to have to kill me. Yeah, like, hey, I might get my ass kicked, but you know you're going to be in a fight. You're going to know you were in a fight that night. And it was just like, it was such a, like, I, I, I tweeted out about it. It was such a just very, very subtle thing. He's like, one, two, three. Oh, and got in the ring like, okay, I'm probably about to get beat up, but I got to say what I got to say. And but it was no fear in his eyes. No, no fear, fear in his, No fear in his eyes. I love it. I love it. This dude is going to, I mean, he's a face now. But if they want to, he's going to be a mega baby, uh, mega baby face. It's he can do whatever is asked of him. Like I truly believe that this guy is such a good leader for AEW, and I want him to succeed so badly. Like there's so much talent and genuine like charisma with Eddie Kingston. Like so, this moment was a good little like this and the earlier promo segment was great to like make up for what happened on Sunday. Tom Callis then talked about how, like, I remember this guy. I had you working for me in Impact because I saw the toughness in you. You had everything, but I had to fire you because you did the same thing in Impact that you've done your whole life. You're close to grabbing the brass swing. You just find a way to screw it up, just like you did at Revolution. And you know what? We all laughed at you. You're a little bit outgunned right now. I like you. You get 10 seconds to get out of here before all these guys kick their, your ass. And they pull up another countdown with warning sounds and, like, alarms going off. Countdown's going. They're all screaming, like, oh, my God. Oh, everyone be careful. Don lies down, and then uh, no, yeah, uh, Kenny Omega lies down on the ground, and he just screams over to Callus, Don, 69 me. I fucking screamed in laughter dude it was never in my never in my life would i think watching a wrestling show in 2021 i would have the main champion of that said promotion scream to his heel manager 69 me absolutely and most importantly it's that he was making fun of eddie also at the same time and it was just it was just everything. It's why AEW, when you want to point out why AEW is a little different, you know, a little different than uh, uh, WWE or whatever other wrestling that you watch, is that who else would say that on primetime TV? Again, it's just, and but I mean, like it's, and again, like despite the fact that it was just a ridiculous line, though, is that like it's still continue to use the moment to create heat for for the champion and 
to build off to this. Again, I want I want this to lead to Eddie getting his hands on Kenny Omega. I truly do. Because what happened after this, um, eventually, after Kenny Omega was egging on Eddie Kingston to take his best shot on him, he does. Good Brothers jump him. John Moxley then comes out. After that, Christian Cage's music hits. He comes out, walks out to the ring, gets into the ring against Kenny Omega, tries to hit him with, I'm just going to call it the kill switch because I haven't said what the name is of it yet. Um, he goes to drop him. Kenny Omega gets pulled out by Don Callis uh, for safety. And then Christian picks up the title, holds it in his hands, and then drops it. So we know we're building to Christian versus uh, Kenny Omega, which is great. But I want Eddie to get a shot at Kenny. And I think that we're going to get that. But, like, again, like, I, I want them to make sure they give Eddie a big moment for that uh, title. Again, I just, I just really want it. But we know that this is going to lead to Christian versus uh, Kenny Omega, which I'm also fine with. Both of these I'm good with. But I more so just want them to fully, like, pay back Eddie. Uh, for trying to sell that fucking popcorn fart of a finish. Yeah, and he did a good job. And this whole thing, and they, now they don't really have to bring it up anymore. If they want to, they can. No, no. But, at this point, just let it go. Yeah, you keep beating it down yeah. like you're gonna get. It's it's gonna be too much. But at this point, it's it's like they did a great job, and it's kind of over at this point. So just move on. Now, six. Women tag match. Uh, we had Hikaru Shida, Ryu Mizunami, and Thunder Rosa teaming to face Nyla Rose, Dr. Britt Baker, DMD, and Maki Ito. I, like, I mean, listen. No fault of anyone else in this match. The main thing people are talking about is the fact that when Maki Ito made her entrance, everyone started fighting, and she still finished her song. Hey. That right there is a performer. You do not interrupt greatness. You know, they all got their uh, entrances uninterrupted. And now you want to hate on the star. Well, I don't call the star a show because it's Anna Jay's gimmick. But the, you know, the mega star, the, the icon, the entertainer, Maki Ito, who came out there singing and dancing, celebrating to the masses. And you know, if sims. if I was there, simp and head simp in charge right here. Uh, if I was there, which I had to come back, unfortunately, I was there. You would have heard me screaming along in a language I didn't understand. That chick has it, and I love it. No, and there's a point in the song too. I've discovered the point where people can sing along, which is when it gets to the chorus, and she goes, "Whoa, whoa!" There's where you're gonna get your big pop. Like you're just gonna get everyone singing right there. I'm telling you, when we get full crowds, she is going to do fucking banging performances. It's going to be so good. But the six women's match was really good, honestly. It was just really great to see them continuing to use Maki Ito. I know that they know for a fact that she is going to be somebody that they're going to try to do a lot with. Um, Thunder Rosa did get the pin on Maki Ito to get the win, but then... Vicky, Nyla Rose, uh, actually, no, sorry, ap apologies, uh, she, yeah, so she spiked her and pinned her after the match was over, yes, Vicky, Nyla, 
and Rebel got involved, getting Britt Baker to get the lockjaw on Thunderosa. The match itself was strong. I mean, like again, I've never been a massive a multi multi man multi women match fan, um, but like I like everybody in the ring. They did well. Um, I don't know exactly. Um, and again, it's it's like it's just because I don't really know much of like what they're gonna do character wise with her. I don't know how much more you can do with Ryu Mizunami without really developing her with her character and such. Um, just because I just don't feel like there's much of a connection there. Correct, and it's like, um, it's like when you have a person like that that all the color from this, and it's, it seems like. So much of what she does is her character. You know, you really need to explain what her character is. You know, I don't know how how better to understand it. It's just American, uh, American, well, American wrestling. If we don't get your character, we don't understand your character. We will probably not, you know, attach with the wrestler, no matter how good you are. Yeah. Again, it's like it's just it's just it's huge. Like, I mean, we we always talk about as wrestling fans, like how much people value work rate and like your move set and like the types of athletic abilities you can do. Character is still the most important thing in wrestling. It's just how the business has always worked. So like while I think Ryu Mizunami can work and I think that she's got a colorful vibe and stuff like that, and I think she's good. There's we have no idea what her character is, and there's just not a connection right now with the crowd. Not saying it can't be developed, but at this point in time, I don't know what else you can do without really trying to build creative character moments for her to like shine and build up her personality and her character in the eyes of the fans. But that is just me. We had, after this, um, a small little backstage moment with Private Party and Matt Hardy. He talked about they little mentioned about how Matt Hardy lost. He did say though uh, he did get new additions to the Hardy Empire, Butcher Blade and Bunny, and because of uh, with these signings, they are going to destroy the Dark Order because of what they did to him at Revolution. Um, so small little moment there. We got Butcher and Blade and Bunny. So basically, what that shows me is that like Eddie Kingston's family is now like that group is done with Eddie being now more aligned with John Moxley and trying to make it out on his own and being a babyface, So that whole uh, storyline's done. So I would assume that would allow for Penta to do stuff with Death Triangle if he wants to. But right now he's doing the stuff with Cody. There's a, like, I think people have made this joke before how like almost every single wrestler in AEW is aligned with at least one faction. And, and you know it's good. I mean, and if you look at New Japan, their whole system oh, sure. is no, I'm not it, just, yeah, I guess. yeah, and the whole system is a faction based system. Everybody's in a faction, or in I think it's called Hunter or whatever, which is the non faction faction. So it's just like it's an easy way to set up six man tags, tag team matches, build feuds, and all that stuff. I don't, I don't think the strict way of it in New Japan will work in America, no, but it so does. It is ways to get people on screen. I am very, I am very about this. That more of the women should be in these factions. Yes. The reason being is even when they're not wrestling, they're on TV. Even when they're not wrestling, they're being seen. 
And every day they're being seen is building up a fan base. Why do you and, think people got so connected to Anna Jay when she was in Dark Order? Yes, and it's just like, why aren't we doing more of this? You know, it's like when Red Velvet took over for Brandy, it was like, why didn't she come out with a Nightmare Family jacket? Why wasn't she in the crew? You know, and it's just like, and now you're looking at people like Rio and all those. It's like, you know, Britt Baker. Dude, if Britt Baker, I know she has Rebel and she's doing her own thing. But what if Britt Baker was the first woman member of the inner circle when they were hot? Do you know how much that does for her character? So, yeah, I think you should do more to tie women in to the male segments to you know, get them on TV even when they're not on TV. But this week, I, I really can't complain about it. No one can complain about their use of women coming up. But we'll talk about that later. All right. Up next, TNT Championship match. Darby Allen defends his title against the face of the revolution, Scorpio Sky. This match was really good. I still have talked about how well Scorpio has done in singles appearances. Um, Darby is still such a great champion. Um, this was a really, really strong title match, I feel like. Um, I loved especially when um, uh, Darby went for... Uh, he dived through uh, uh, t- uh, Tope Suicida, but then um, Scorpio Sky was able to hit a cutter on the on the floor. That was such a good spot. I like really was impressed by that. Um, but Darby Allen was able to get the victory with a with a roll up after uh, Scorpio went for the TKO. Um, he got a quick roll up and got the championship. After that, um, we got uh, heel Scorpio Sky. He turns on uh, he turns on Darby Allen and he hits a heel hook after referees come down and try to pull him off of it. He starts like kind of licking his lips and just being like a lot more like menacing and just like just. It was, it was just, it's, you know, Scorpion, we've been building towards it. Um, yeah, I'm for it, honestly. Because he's not doing anything with SCU. SCU's doing their own thing. And while I think Scorpio is, like, super nice guy and genuinely really cool, I think heel-wise, I want to see what he can do. I really do. Yeah, because I've seen what he could do face-wise, and I don't think the charisma came out enough. And sometimes when you switch somebody to heel, I mean, they let go a little bit more. They don't try to play to the fans. I'm hoping that's how it works for Scorpio. He's super talented. So it's like I can't wait for him and Darby to have other matches. Uh, so, I, yeah, I can't wait to see this heel Scorpio Sky. Yeah, and I, it's always been said in wrestling, it's way easier to get people to hate you than it is for them to like you. Um, so I think Scorpio will relish in this heel opportunity. Um, but – we can now. This next segment was base was the main event. Um, so this, I when I saw that this was uh, the finish of the show, I was like, they're doing something pretty big. If uh, the TNT Championship was not capping off for the main event, um, it was the Inner Circle War Council, and Chris Jericho talked about how any great army, if they need to change their course in the middle of the battle, uh, they hold a war council. Um, they've had a decline. These last few weeks, it's easy remedy. It's, there's an easy remedy to this. A new outlook. Maybe we should introduce a new member into the inner circle. And Jeff's like, no, whoa, 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 no, no. I don't think we need a new member. I think it's time we let somebody go. 
And as I called it, my boy Sammy Guevara's music hits. He comes out. He makes his return. Jericho's like, I never wanted to see you again. I never wanted to hear from you again. Why are you here? Sammy was like, after everything we've been through, you need to see this. Sammy, oh, the vlogger of Sammy, hides his phone in the locker room. And it shows footage of MJF meeting with Jake Hager, Santana and Ortiz, talking about how it was time for the inner circle to move on without Chris Jericho, to get rid of Chris Jericho. MJF goes, I didn't want you to find out like this. Get them, boys. Hager and Santana and Ortiz walk towards Jericho. And then they flip it around. And it was, they all face off against MJF. Such a good moment there. Jericho says, on behalf of Chris Jericho and the inner circle, your ass is fired. MJF gets shoved into the corner. J- MJF's like, listen, I, I swear, I, I didn't I didn't want to take over your group. I'm sorry. I was too busy building my own. Lights go dark. When they come back up, inside the ring, Sean Spears, Wardlow, Tully, FTR, and they all jump the inner circle, and then MGF is just perched up on the top rope, just observing everything. Sammy Guevara gets thrown through a chair in the corner by Sean Spears. Um, FTR spiked Santana and Ortiz with pile drivers. I believe they also handcuffed him. Um, Jericho got hit with the dynamite diamond ring, which busted him open. Tully took Jericho's bat, gave it to MJF, and rammed it against his head. They then took uh, Jericho up the ramp, and Wardlow powerbombed Jericho through a table off to the uh, off to the side. And MJF has now become the head of his own faction. And it's pretty fucking stacked. I mean, for the love of God, you've got Sean Spears, FTR. And I guess Tully would be involved with that kind of as like their little manager and such. Um, but I mean, like that alone is just woof. Talent there is just too much. It's crazy. Um, and that was how they finished uh, the uh, Dynamite. Hell of a finish. Nobody does a new faction finish like uh, like AEW. I remember when I was there for the Inner Circle becoming a thing, and now I'm there for uh, basically who Inner Circle got together to take out the Elite, and now this group got together to take out the Inner Circle. So, um, yeah, you want to talk about, like, back in the day, when they would make the four horsemen, it would be Ric Flair, and then it would be Tully Arn, then there would be a fourth guy, and they generally try to make the fourth guy, whether it be at Barry Windham, like Sluger, uh, at one point it was Sting. They they use the fourth spot to make the next horseman. Well, what happens when the next guy is the leader? And that's MJF. He's 25 years old, right? He is, uh, he's better at this than pretty much any other 25 year old in history. And that's pretty much every wrestling person personality saying this. He is like so far ahead of where he is. Now he's leading his faction with the best tag team in the world. FTR with a perfect utility player in Sean Spears. Sean Spears has gotten a lot of Paul Roma comparisons. Now, personally, as a person that watched Paul Roma, Sean Spears is way better than Paul Roma. 
And what I think he's getting Paul Roma comparisons were is because how he was booked in other places. Now, the thing about Sean Spears is he's really, really good at wrestling. He has a really, really good look, you know, and it's just like now he's in that four spot. Technically, you could call him the enforcer of the group, you know, if you don't think of the Wardlow as that. So, man, I'm just saying, you look at the group, it has everything. It has your technicians. It has your tag team. It has your face of the division. I mean, face of the uh, group. I mean, it is good. I put the horseman right again. I I pretty much assumed that was going to be the name, but I, you know, it wasn't. And there was some long-term storytelling. Back when the empty arena and they just had a few wrestlers on the outside, who was standing on the outside together gambling on matches? Sean Spears yeah. and MJF. Sean Spears and MJF. MJF cut a interview a little last year, and he said FTR is undoubtedly the best tag team in the world. He would love to work with those guys, but he had no desire to be a part of the Horsemen. That already happened. He's like he would only want to do his own new thing. So that was that was set up. And it's just like it was there was actually a picture where it was literally MJF Wardlow Tully and uh Tully and Sean Spears all in one picture. Uh he also said in another one that Sean Spears was a great wrestler. He'd love to work with him. And even better, you know, MJF hates Cody. He took Cody's former friend <laughs> and he took Cody's favorite tag team. Yup. I mean, he took the, man, the, the chairman. Yeah, he basically he basically took Cody's horseman. He did. He, he did. took Cody's horseman. Everybody knew that the horsemen were eventually going to be these people, but most people thought it wasn't going to be MJF. It was going to be Cody. So if they want to build from that in the future, there's so many different ways they can go. I think it ultimately ends up in a war games or what did they say they was going to call it? blood and guts. Blood and guts. Yeah. I think this ultimately ends up in the blood and guts with my luck. This blood and guts will happen at double or nothing, but we will see. We're going to, we're going to wait on this, but I'm, I'm a faction. I'm a mark for factions. I'm like, seriously, I am a complete mark for factions. I love this faction. Later on, I'm going to say the name, but I'm going to tell you that there's a spoiler, and I'm going to leave like 10 seconds where you can cut out of the show before I tell you what it is. But I really, really dig the name. Otherwise, I would have just waited till next week to talk about it. Absolutely. We'll give you guys a spoiler warning before we tell you the name of the group that has leaked. But that was AEW Dynamite. Um... Overall, uh, as a uh, follow-up to Revolution, they did so well. And, like, not just focusing on the uh, the finish of Revolution and, and having a response to that. Just building storylines leading towards Double or Nothing, leading towards um, Dynamites down the road. Like, the everything's still moving. Like, a, like, just a full cog continuing to move so fluently. Like, the, the botch was a cog like when the cog got stuck and you got to kind of dislodge it a little bit and then your storylines can get back into movement you can keep working towards what you're trying to push and what you're trying to build and telling the audience uh what's coming up next um i'm all for it i have very few bad things to say about this uh show it was very very good i really enjoyed this show yeah uh absolutely uh 
yeah, this was my friend told me uh, who is very pro uh, the other channel that comes on on Wednesday nights said this was his favorite dynamite ever. I would not go this far, but anytime you got a faction growing in a killer promo from Mox, a killer first opening match, Cody squash leading to a feud with Pentagon, man, yeah. Yeah, sign me up. This was this hit all the right, uh, hit, hit all the right notes for after, uh, for after pay per view show. All right. Well, now we can get into our previews. First off, we can't do a preview of the entire card for AEW Dark Elevation's debut. They announced like seventy matches. Yeah, there's a lot of matches. That show is going to be like three hours. Yes. So, and I think honestly, other than the fact that um, I the main event that they announced is very intriguing. We get to see the girl Maki Ito facing off against Riho. That's going to be amazing. My biggest focus with uh, AW Dark Elevation is how it distinguishes itself presentation wise from AW Dark and AW Dynamite. I just need to know presentation wise, other than the fact that Paul White's on commentary. I need more than that. How is the show going to be presented compared to Dark and Dynamite? I just need to see what they offer. Because if it's just another extension of AEW Dark, I feel like it's going to be a bit of a short run. See, and that's just my thought. Think about Dark Elevation. And this is this. no one told me this. But I thought it was going to be more exclusive. I thought it would be like maybe three to five matches over an hour with a big main event. And then dark would still be the 70 matches. Like it does. Maybe, yeah. maybe they're splitting the amount of matches up between the shows, but it just, yeah, it, it's when you look at the card, it's rather darkish. Like, you know, who's going to win every match. You know what I mean? And the main event. Uh, otherwise, I don't know. Mikey Ito has gained a lot of heat, a lot of, uh, fan love from the internet and she's going to be able to do her full entrance on uh, Elevation. So I can honestly see her upsetting Rio this week. Rio is booked very strongly in the company. Very strongly. So if Rio won, I wouldn't be shocked. But Maki Ito is one of those people that just so entertaining. I don't know if she'll ever be the world champion. I don't know if she'll ever get a title shot. But if you want to pop a crowd with an intro and just with someone's personality, um, you bring her out. The Kokeshi, which is her falling headbutt, it, you know what? I pop for it every time because it's just this little girl with the, the huge hard head is such, you know, they go against each other so much that it, it just pops me. It's just like she has my heart right now, so... It's that simple. Yeah. So it'll be interesting to see exactly what the show is like. Because like I said, I, I'm, I'm with Floyd too. I thought it was going to kind of be more so of like, it was either going to be two things for me. Either A, it was going to be like the people who lose on Dark actually try to get wins on Elevation. So that way it builds them up. So it's like a, like a, like a league system where it's like, if you do well on Elevation, you go to Dark. If you do well on Dark, you go to Dynamite. That's how it was either that or it was going to be um, just like more exclusive, like he said, where it would be like four or five matches. It would be maybe an hour, an hour and a half long. 
but it's seeming like it's going to be dark-esque. I think it's going to be really telling when we see both this and this upcoming episode of just straight-up AEW Dark. Um, But if it's, like I said, if it's just purely more AEW Dark, like, you're already giving us, like, so many matches, dude. I don't know how how much fans are going to be able to keep up with this, dude. But... I, I don't either. I thought about, I literally seriously thought about earlier that I'm going to have to do a show Tuesday night just to cover Dark and Elevation, go through the winners, what I thought of the matches, whether you should watch it, because our show would be three hours long if we yeah. try to cover every AEW match they do during a week now. Exactly. So it's that's the biggest telling point, honestly. It's just how this goes well, or how this goes. But... Moving on to AEW Dynamite with St. Patrick's Day Slam. We have uh, Jurassic Express teaming up with Bear Country to face off against Matt Hardy, Private Party, and Butcher and the Blade. It's uh, it's an eight, it's a yeah. So it's it's a yeah um, eight, five uh, ten man eight, tag eight, ten man tag match. So uh, I mean I like everybody in this in this in this uh, in this match except for Bear Country because I don't know too much about them although they did well in the Battle Royal. Um, but multi man matches aren't my thing. I hope that they do well though. I they really do. do they do a really good job with Jungle Boy and they've done a really good job pushing him as the next guy. If I had to guess, I see Matt Hardy pinning yes. uh, Marco Stunt. Marco. Marco's got to take the fall. It's yeah. just what happens. Uh, we get to have Penta. Well, we're just straight up having Penta versus Cody Rhodes next week, so we get to just kickstart that immediately. John Moxley and Eddie Kingston will be teaming up to face the Good Brothers, and for the first time ever, it's a women's... Um, well, we're getting a women's main event, and... It's a women's lights out match, a lights out unsanctioned match between Britt Baker and Thunder Rosa. This has me the most intrigued. Like this is first off, this feud has been going on for a while. This is a huge way to cap it off, to finish it off. And we're getting a women's lights out match. So I'm all for seeing how this goes. I, like I said, Thunder Rosa was one of my top women wrestlers of 2020. So I want to see oh I'm, this oh, is huge for me this is going to be a fight and um it seems like thunder rosa was brought in to get Britt baker over like that's what i was feeling like yeah so i feel like this match could go either way and it could set up whoever's getting the next title shot and if it really is going with setting up who's getting the next title shot, I see Britt Baker winning, and then they build to something with her in uh, Hikaru Shida. Uh, I'm very, like I said, I'm very excited about this match. I'm, I think on its own, it's going to be hard hitting. It's the perfect first women's main event. Uh, Everybody talks about how hard the women have been working with Dustin and the coaches to make their in ring work better. If you haven't noticed over the four last four months how much better the in-ring work has been with yes. the women, then you're just blind. You just you didn't want it to get better, you know. And you know what? And the thing I've been saying alone, they started popping numbers. The thing is, you know, you know, when they get a good lead in, they're at least holding on to the numbers. So we're looking for a big main event here. First time history. I uh, man, I love Thunder. I love Brit. I'm ready to see this match. I'm proud that and happy that they are the two people. All right. Uh, uh, there was one more thing to add. I just saw it on Twitter. Jay Cargill is going to be in action. 
Now that is true. Yes, she is green, greener than uh, I guess I in Oklahoma say greener than goose shit. You know that's what they say. So what she needs is someone that's a little more experienced than her that can feed her and help her to look good. Cause her matches shouldn't go more than a minute. I mean, I I'm, I'm Goldberg push for six months. That's where my head is. She gets a Goldberg push for six months okay. as she, as she has time to get better. I'm not saying she wins the title. You might even push her and loses her lose her first attempt at the title. But she has such a look and such a presence. She shouldn't be running ten minute matches and basically going into her weakness. Yes. If she's going to do longer matches, they should be on dark and dark elevation. But if they're going to do live TV matches, it should be completely dominating, pulling, you know, building up her fan base because people think she's a badass. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I get it. There's such a genuine, like, just like, I can't. I, if you have her on TNT and on Dynamite, like, you are, like, anybody who turns the cha- channel and she's on, I guarantee you, everybody who's in that room, like, if you, like, if you turned on Dynamite and, like, during a house party or something, and she was on TV, I, I guarantee you, everybody's eyes would go straight to the TV. Everything, like, everything I see in Wardlow, I see in her. Mm-hmm. Like, very attractive person, <laughs> like, bri- built like nothing you've ever seen before, it just has that it factor about them, that charisma without even saying anything so yeah i think she is the star that i wouldn't say the women's division is built but if the women's division is going to take that next step i think jake cargill is a big part of that next step and also all things elite fans i want you to now start shipping wardlow and floyd together oh uh, start doing it dude hey i plan on i've said if they do if they do, whenever they do another star uh, star cast, it's gonna be me and Wardlow in a deep embrace and a picture. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, John Let's Silver. Go. John Silver hip D to how attractive that man is, and he is very attractive guy. <laughs> yes, no, but that is all things elite. Before we close out the show, show Floyd, spoiler alert for MGS Group. Yeah, I mean, literally bringing up my clock, and I'm going to wait 10 seconds before I say the name of the group. Here we go. Well, hang on. Before before you say that, um, what's the warning for you to be like, okay, we're done talking about it? So okay. For people. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say it, and then like we'll be done talking about it. You know okay, what I mean? Yeah. It. Okay. Ten. All right, the name of the group is The Pinnacle. Now, the reason I love this name is the four horsemen were called The Pinnacle of Professional Wrestling. So, while it's not still The Four Horsemen, it is a nod to the old Four Horsemen name. So, I'm very excited about that name uh, becoming out. Okay, so if you are still uh, turned the volume down by this point, um, just gonna let you know. We, yeah, we're done talking about it. yeah, we're done talking about it. Uh, you, can, you don't need to hear it if you don't want to hear spoilers. Yeah, I was about to say we're not telling you who won anything. It's just the name of the group. <laughs> so, um, which you will find out most likely next week. Shit, you know how I found out? Scrolling through Facebook, 
some some jackass didn't uh mark it as a spoiler and put it in a <laughs> comment. So it was just it was the post. I had no way to avoid it. Yeah. Otherwise, I, I otherwise I wouldn't have known until Wednesday like everybody else. <laughs> so it's just the internet. <laughs> it's just the internet. Everybody wants to be first, and so no. But uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I f- feel like this was a good episode, Austin. I agree. I really do. I'm. I'm. Are we? Are you talking dynamite? Or are you talking this show? This show. Okay. Yes. I I agree with you 100. percent Though I I personally try to do my best to bring a great episode every single week for our lovely <laughs> listeners out there i just but. i just felt like we flowed i felt like we flowed maybe may I, I i don't mean to toot my own horn but toot toot you know what i mean did we wrestle and flow yeah yeah i feel Hell like yeah. we did we did let's go all, all right. right but yes that is that that is this episode of all things elite in the books thank you guys so much for tuning in and listening if you guys enjoyed the show continue to download the show on google or apple podcast if you enjoyed this episode like we said we felt like we flowed really nicely in it we just coasted and we just like moved really well together and just the chemistry was there if you enjoyed it a lot, you can also share this episode and all of the All Things Elite episodes with your friends, family, coworkers, whoever, uh, whether that's on Spotify, Apple, or Google Podcasts, or wherever you get podcasts. Leave a rating and review. Let us know what we can do better, and if we can, uh, if you have any suggestions or if you want to make a comment about the show, um, you can tell us that on Twitter as well. Leave a donation through Red Circle if you enjoyed the show. Extra amounts. We are at AT Elite Pod on Twitter. At Social Suplex is the podcasting network that makes this show and all of the Social Suplex podcasts possible. I am at SZoomer4 on Twitter. Floyd is Floyd Johnson Jr. on Twitter. And as always, I'm going to have my good pal Floyd take us home for this week of All Things Elite. All right. Uh, I'm just going to say trolls on Twitter and any social media, they're like fire. And the one thing we know about fire is that it needs oxygen to breathe. The oxygen for trolls tweets, uh, trolls tweets are retweets, comments. Uh, what is it? I forgot what they're called. When you tweet and you don't mention a person's name, whatever they are called. Uh, I'm not. I'm not up on the Twitter lingo. But any mention of whatever of their tweets gives it the f- oxygen to the flame. And you're basically just giving them publicity. So the best thing to do is ignore them, mute them, block them, or do like I do. I don't do any of that. I just keep scrolling. I know it's really hard, but just keep scrolling and completely ignore them. Because when they stop getting the oxygen they need, the fire will die out. And they will go back to their little place of irrelevancy. So I leave you with that. And with this, whether it's homework or school, always do your best to be elite. Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread. With incredible taste and texture, Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O.